This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. In this world there's a whole lot of trouble, baby. In this world there's a whole lot of pain. In this world there's a whole lot of trouble, but a whole lot of ground to gain. Why take when you could be giving? Oh, I watch as the world goes by It's a hard enough life to be living Why walk when you can fly? Kiora, Talofa, Nihau Greetings, welcome Welcome to Quiet Minds Mental Health Radio Plains FM 96.9 Welcome listeners, you're listening to Quiet Minds, Mental Health Radio on Plains FM 96.9. My name is Debbie May. We have an old friend in the studio, Damien's been on our show um, previously, quite a long time ago. Um, so welcome to you, Damien. Thank you, Debbie, I appreciate it. So, Damien, you've come to talk about um, a documentary you were involved in called Avi Discovery Series, the Oh, the hepatitis C revolution, is that the right That's title? That's the right way to say it, yeah. Oh, I, I stumbled over hepatitis. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Probably a good thing to stumble over yeah, and not well, fall from, into. From, from a distance, yes. <laughs> so welcome. So um, how and when did you get hepatitis, Damien? Well, I um, got it at, uh, in 1980. Um, I was a uh, punk rocker. Um, and Don't look like it today, you got no, no hair. <laughs> no, I used to have green, green hair at the time, and Sid Vicious was my hero. Oh. Yeah. And, um, Did he have a rat? <laughs> no, I had a cat called Sid Vicious. Um, and uh, what was happening in Auckland at the time was Mr Asia was um, a really successful New Zealand uh, drug smuggler, mm-hmm. and he was bringing... Um, a very, very high-strength Chinese white heroin into um, mainly Auckland. Okay. And um, the, because it was such a supply of it um, and uh, the prices were really, really low, it was actually cheaper to to um, use heroin than it was to drink. Wow. So that's the option I went down. And these were pre-AIDS days. So um, possession of paraphernalia, which is basically a syringe and a needle, right. um, was was a um, compulsory uh, jailable offence. Oh, okay. Um, so uh, we played Russian roulette. It was probably about 20 of us that used to meet every Saturday, wheel and deal on in heroin, ha- have a shot, and then we'd go and see our favourite punk rock bands in Auckland, you know. Um, and because it was a jailable offence, once... Uh, Every week, somebody different would t- would take the needle home. Okay. Um, so if they, they were unlucky enough to get caught, and uh, so it was the pressure wasn't on one person. Right. So it was a bit of Russian roulette with um, with law, uh, but I also didn't realise it was Russian roulette with my health as right. well. Right. Right. I imagine um, twenty people all using one needle for twelve what months. We, yeah. For twelve months. Yeah. Oh my goodness! What we know now and what we didn't know absolutely then. Yeah. And and, what, and maybe probably if if that was a 
your thing at the time probably wouldn't have made any difference anyway. No, yeah, absolutely. Well, not not a lot of people spot that, absolutely, if we'd known. Mm. Because you're 20, you're 10-foot tall, bulletproof. Mm. When I relay my story to professionals nowadays Mm. and they hear that 20 people use one needle for 12 months, the look on their face, (laughs) they always look at their neighbours and go, oh, my God. But that was our reality, you know. Hindsight's twenty twenty vision, really, isn't it? Wow, yeah. Um, so, so, how do you go about scoring heroin when you're twenty and there's a group of twenty people? How do you get to know that group of people? Uh, I've never really thought about that question. Um, it's like anything. Like uh, one, you go to a party and you know nobody, you'll gravitate to one one person in the party right. and, and you'll either uh, go, oh, the, the guy, the, the person isn't on the same wavelength as me. Right. Or they are, and if they are, it's quite solid. And um, basically, I'd meet one person and and they'd meet one of my friends and then branch out and they'd meet five of my okay. friends. And virtually everybody that was in my circle didn't use heroin. Oh, That's wow. why there was only 20, not 200, you know. <laughs> wow. um, uh, so so it, was wow. a, it was a minority group. And punk, we were a minority yeah. anyway. Um, and my background as a um, as a Catholic schoolboy was was a minority as oh, well. Bitch. Yeah, bitch. so um, and for me, it, I gravitated towards the minority as I always do um, because that's what I, the way I was brought up. Mm. If I'd been brought up differently, I would um, I would uh, gravitate towards the comprehensive instead of the minority. You know? Right. Yeah. I, I, my mind's boggling thinking about you saying about twenty people using the same needle and then saying you know it could have been a group of two. And you said that, it was like, wow. And it could easily have been that. (laughs) Um, And uh, uh, without preempting it, four of those people aren't aren't alive today. Right. And all four of them um, died from complications of the liver. Okay. And it's never been fully released, but um, David Bowie uh, died from liver cancer. Right. And it makes me think about what he was doing in the 70s, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So... Um, when and how did you find out that you actually had Hep C? Well, uh, ironically, I <clears throat> I spent twenty one years in addiction. Right. And last Sunday, I'm really pleased to announce that I have twenty one years of full um, abstinence. Um, so the the ledger's balanced on that. Congratulations. Um, yeah, thank you very much. Um, so that involved two or three relapses before mm-hmm. I really got this one. Um, and I'd been in recovery for two years and I was on medication for uh, depression at the time, right. which was looked upon now as probably clinical um, um, backwash, really, from my addiction. Right. So they were measuring my um, my, my uh, medication levels mm-hmm. for a blood test and my LFTs for my liver as well. Um, and the guy turned around and said, so how long have you had hepatitis C for? Thinking I knew, and I had no idea. <gasps> and I said to him, what? Wow. And I was really, really cross um, for about a minute. I was thinking, oh, I've done so much work, you know, two years of sobriety. Right. And I've finally got on, you know, the right road 
and I get hit with this, and, right. and straight away I I I put my I brought my head back in again. I went, well, you were the one that played with fire, man. It doesn't matter when you get burnt; you're going to get burnt by playing with fire. So I did. So was that when you say that that two minutes or whatever time it was? When did you think about going back to drugs? No, no. I've been very lucky that, um, and you'll hear about what happened to me throughout this interview. Uh, I've never, I, I was very lucky to have the urge and the desire to take drugs taken away from me at the um, at the beginning of the 21 years. Wow. And um, I've been tested many, many times since. And wow. um, I know that that's a huge step backwards. So um, my life's better for not taking drugs and alcohol. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So what treatment did you have when you found out you had hepatitis C? Well, I knew nothing about the disease. Um, so when was this? Again? This was in 2002. So right. so I was, um, I'd, I'd had the um, virus for 22 years and the only treatment that was available was the thing called interferon, right. which is taken in conjunction with ribavirin and ironically, it is um, administered, self-administered by putting a needle into your tummy. <laughs> oh, so I, I got, um, you know, I used the needle to get ill, and I was using a needle to get better. You know, which, um, which was the irony wasn't lost. Wait, did you, you never had a needle phobia? No, even no. when you had to use the no, the opposite, oh. the opposite. Oh, okay. To be honest, yeah, yeah. Um, sometimes I wish I had, um, <laughs> but you know, you can't you can't change back no. what's happened in your no. life, and this is just part of my the journey that I was put on this earth for. So um, having these injections <clears throat> was as was horrendous at the time, and looked back now, it's still as horrendous as it was to actually do it. Um, so you put the needle in, and once every three days. And you'd get a flu-like symptoms immediately the next day, uh-huh. which would last till the day three, and you'd right. just start coming right from the flu, and you'd do it all over again. So oh, it's wow. like having the flu for twelve months. Oh wow! And uh, the chances of of beating the virus was sixty percent, and um, I didn't make, didn't beat it. Mm. So, so they said to me, okay, well, you've tried that and it's not going to work with you, um, so you're just going to have to um, live life as um, as carefully as you can and I hope that these uh, experiments that will be going on in Europe, they were already developing uh, these new drugs that are available nowadays, uh, which I will talk about. So um, that's, a, sorry, um, that's, that's only 19 years ago. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That the new drugs came along and the the uh, the interferon was already available. Yes. The the new drugs. Yeah. Were, the, yeah. The cl- cl- clinical trials they they started in two thousand and thirteen, so okay. they've only been available for six years. Wow. And now pharmac uh, and so they're oral, so right. there's no needle involved. Okay. Um. The They've been developed over the last three years to perfection. Um, it was 12 weeks uh, of oral, and now it's eight weeks of oral, um, and the side effects are minimum. The, the, the side effects I had on interferon was horrendous, mm-hmm. 
uh, also did have side effects on the new antivirals. Right. Um, and that was the ribavirin that was doing it, which is a booster to the actual drug. Okay. So by, by yeah, mm. so by having that ribavirin, it gave me the ability to to complete the process, and the success rate is ninety eight percent. So uh, versus sixty. So. I'd love to know who that 2% are because they're pretty unlucky. They're pretty unlucky, yeah. I guess. Uh, yeah. So once it's shaken, uh, unless there's reinfection from a new event, it's gone. Hepatitis C. So you don't have it anymore in no, the system? No, the hepatitis free uh, for five years. So what about the effects of that, though, on your on your body? I mean, like your hepatitis free C, but has... It left any lingering effects like oh, your liver or your absolutely it has yeah yeah, yeah. so you're free from the virus but yeah. not necessarily what yeah. the virus did in the process so, yeah so hepatitis C for those who don't understand it's a bloodborne virus right and it attacks the liver over time so somebody with um, about four, five to ten years of hepatitis C uh, infection. Um, will have mild scarring of the liver. Right. Um, depending on the age, mm -hmm. if you've been carrying the virus for longer than 20 years and you're older than 40, then you're looking at the dangerous range. Right. And by the time they got to me, yeah. um, because I failed my first clinical trial on criteria, and then they, and the criteria that I failed it on was the was the state my liver was in. Right. And um, so basically what, what happened in, in the end was that they were saying, look, we don't treat this guy, he's going to die. Right. So they rushed it through, went on compassionate grounds, and they had actually uh, arranged for me to to have my first treatment on Monday the 23rd of February 2015. It's like a new birthday, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And on uh, Thursday, the February the 19th, five days earlier, I got an um, internal bleed of the esophagus, which was a life-threatening event. Uh, and I went, I uh, was rushed. I was I was bleeding to death, mm. basically. I was rushed to uh, Christchurch Hospital and they performed um, a an operation to staunch the the the, the wound temporarily so they can go in. Before they could go in again, I had my second internal bleed of the esophagus and um, a few, many people have one bleed and go out. Um, people do go in with two bleeds, but uh, your, your um, rate of survival is probably only around 20% and um, no one has ever before or after had gone in with three bleeds and while I was in hospital, I had my third bleed. So basically I came. I have to say that I'm... Um because I know you on a professional level, um, I've seen photos of you when you were in hospital and you were on, literally on death's door. Absolutely. And um, the change in you today is quite amazing. And I, I just wanted to go back while we carry on. I was interested to know, what was it like to know that you were going to get treated with this drug on compassionate grounds? Oh, so grateful. Was, uh, I talk about um, the Willy Wonka thing uh, as the golden ticket. Right. Uh, for right. all of us. Yes. It wasn't just me, for all of us. Yeah. If we could act, because they were owned the, the criteria. So if, 
to give you an idea, uh, um, uh, an explanation of the cr- criteria I missed, the, they would be checking 40-year-olds that had had the test, uh, had treatment earlier. Right. And, and then the next, and there was about 20 people that did, did, did clinically test on that. And then they'd have um, 20 people who were 40 who never had treatment. Pregnant woman, not pregnant woman, um, you know, all, okay. all, to just to have a look at the. Yeah. So, so at at best you'd, you'd meet one category, and that would be twenty people, you know. Um, and there's, you know, there was at this. I think at this point there's about about thirty eight between thirty eight and fifty thousand people infected with um, hepatitis C in New Zealand. So if you're part of twenty of thirty thousand. It is the winning lotto ticket. It is you know. the golden ticket, yeah, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah. So, what was the result of um, the documentary and how it came to fruition? How well, fruition? Say that word for me, David. Fruition. Thank uh, you. Fruita- <laughs> yeah, how it came to fruition. Sorry, <laughs> we know what we're trying to say, listeners. We, we do. We do know. <laughs> so, um, what happened was uh, it was recognised that um, I, by all, including myself and my family, that I was incredibly lucky to get through it. Right. And um, I didn't realise how deadly hepatitis C was, until, and I didn't even realise how sick I was until I was sick. And this right. is what I say. I say, you don't know how sick you are until you're sick, and when you're sick, you're really, really sick. Mm. I was close to death sick. Mm. Um, and amazingly, through the compassionate treatment, shook that HIV, um, HIV hepatitis C virus, and um, I um, was speaking at a forum in Auckland, mm-hmm. and it was uh, about 700 people, two, wow. two massive screens. And they chose me to uh, as the first presenter on a forum, and the forum was basically made up of doctors, uh, sci- scientists, uh, all around statistics and treatments and uh, right. thresholds and stuff like that. Yeah, really, was it was a medical it was a medical geeks right. um, paradise <laughs> there, you know. Um, and they believed that um, having a uh, a survivor story yes. was going to be really um, impacting to everybody. Not just a survivor story, but a life and death survivor story. Absolutely, yeah, you know, yeah. pretty yeah. powerful. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, I went up there and, uh, you know, I've, I've got no problems with public speaking um, as long as I know what I'm talking about. And if right. I didn't know what I was talking about um, after what I'd been through, <laughs> I don't know really what. So basically I, I stood up and I, I, uh, I broke it into four sections. One was um, what how I got like this interview now, mm-hmm. you know, how I got the disease, what, you know, what, what, what it meant. Um Living, knowing I had it, um, and then the I just call it the meltdown of two thousand and fifteen when I nearly died, um, and then the last section was um, giving hope. The, the big driver with hepatitis C at the moment. Now we've got the medication to treat it. We need to get everybody that's got the virus to be treated, right. so to be tested first, and then treated. So, so how long does it take from, like, does it take a while 
Can somebody be walking around with a virus and not know for quite a long time? Oh, absolutely. Well, you said 22 years. Yeah, But, absolutely. but you were leading quite a risky lifestyle. For some of that. For some of that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so I was leading, uh, well, it was only two years, but um, but by the time I got the, the the medicine that's available to me, so, I, I mean, it's good to give a historical overview, but we're really talking about medicine nowadays. Yes. Um, and uh, so looking at that, it's probably about 10 years of walking around with it, uh, with the medication right. out there in Europe available. Right. And they had a thing called the Buyers Club where we can get generic version from India. Okay. Um, for very, I mean, it was $90,000. <gasps> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for the treatment um, because it wasn't subsidised. In New Zealand. In New Zealand. Yeah. And so the buyer's club, you can get it for $1,500. Oh, wow. But there was you wouldn't no, even know what you were getting, though, would you? A, you wouldn't know what you were getting. B, there was no, um, because you had bought this drug basically black market, yeah. there was no way that anybody could support that um, professionally. Yes. You know? Um and um, I, I don't know, I haven't got the stats to say how much of it was successful or wasn't right. successful. So is it funded now? Now it's funded. Fun, fully it funded, funded? Funded last year by okay. Pharmex. So, okay. So there's an absolutely no... So, so what we've got at the moment, and this is why I did my documentary, um, is that hopefully... I, the, this, is, this is just a fictitious person in my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, I was... 19 when I first started shooting heroin. Right. Um, and I went on to my journey. There must have been somebody else in New Zealand that uh, was going to go down the same path mm-hmm. as I did. Mm-hmm. After a year, realised it was the dead end street that he was about to walk down or she was about to walk down. And so they uh, absolutely um, addressed their issues. Mm-hmm. Um, they got a Good job. They went on making their own business. They got a, uh, a, a really a, a person that they absolutely love, a life partner, children, and all of that stuff that they did when they were 19, it gets shoved in yep. the basement. And so if, if we don't bring that out of the basement, we don't have to address it. And um, to the point where you actually forget that you, it's even, you yes. even got a basement. Right. And they're the people that, that because they, they want, they're looking at fully eradicating hepatitis C by 2025. Wow. To do that, you've got to get every single person in New Zealand that's got it tested and right. treated. Right. So if somebody's got this in the basement, we need them to come out and say, right. you know, because they're walking around with hepatitis C and okay. they can reinfect somebody, yeah. you know, um, uh, accidentally or purposefully, whichever comes, you know. So what a um, what my documentary is uh, um, aimed at is to say, hey, this is what happened to this guy. Mm. Um, because in the documentary, it's very, very well made by an uh, independent Australian um, uh, film crew. Right. Company. And so they combined, they weaved my art, because mm-hmm. I'm, um, I'm, I'm an artist, um, and my punk rock, because the director was really interested in the music, so that whole punk rock arty scene um, back in the day right. and turned around and weaved with, with hepatitis C and coming out, well, punk rock's gone along with the hair, <laughs> but the art's developed, and obviously the, through that... A point A and point B, 
hepatitis. He came up in the middle of it. Right. And um, f- and f- at the end of of the of the documentary, and I really urge people to watch it. Um, for, and, and and you're not watching because because I want to make myself famous. Um, I've made this documentary so that people can understand what hepatitis C is, how dangerous it is, and how easily treated it is. And so the you know the, the documentary is called uh, the ABV Discovery Series, A B B V I E Discovery Series, the Hepatitis C Revolution, and it talks about the journey that I've taken and the, the, the last scene is somebody that's happy with life and hepatitis free, which is... So the, would you, I'm just um, curious, would you say, what would, if somebody listening to this thought they had something in their basement mm-hmm. or didn't know, are doctors quite open absolutely. just to people being tested even if you're not... Yes, absolutely. So my, my first um, port of call would be the GP. Right. But there's hepatitis C clinics. In Christchurch, there's a hepatitis C clinic. Okay. And every, the, the biggest thing about all of this, everything is confidential. It's yes. like a doctor. It's like any doctor. Now, I can't get your information out of right. a doctor. It's exactly the same for hepatitis C. There's a lot of stigma, a lot of discrimination mm. around it. Mm. Um, some of it's um, fact. Most of it's not. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the end of the day, I mean, if you go in there and you actually have got it, you'll get treated mm. You'll get, and you'll be hepatitis free within two and a half months. Wow. If you haven't got it, fabulous. Keep it up. Well, it's good to know, isn't it? Lucky you've dodged the bullet. And mm-hmm. um, um, yeah, so, so you know, if, if people are interested in um, punk rock, music, Hepatitis C, and 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 the talent. Apparently, I'm talented. I'm not dying. And coming back from, you, the, from death. the dead. Yeah, yeah. The, one of the nurses called me Lazarus. Because Lazarus, um, because I was going from ward to ward. Um, they just get me right, and I have another bleed. And we can, you know, just can't put you down, can we? No, you can't. Thank you, Damien. That's fine. That, my pleasure. Um, it's very life affirming, and it's also very um, touching. To, to hear some of the story, even though I've heard it before, it's mm. always quite interesting for me to um, think about it and to celebrate you, really. Thank you, Debbie. This is Debbie May signing off on behalf of Quiet Minds Mental Health Radio. You can download this and other Quiet Minds programs by going to plainsfm.org.nz and clicking on podcasts. This show repeats on Wednesdays at 10.30am. Thanks for listening. In this world there's a whole lot of gold. In this world there's a whole lot of blame. In this world you've a soul for a compass and a heart for a pair of wings. There's a star on the far horizon, rising bright in an azure sky. For the rest of the time that you're given, why walk when you can fly?